everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the And Also podcast. I am Madison, your host. And first, I want to apologize for not uploading an episode last week. Honestly, life got the best of me. I'm just going to be honest with you. It was a very busy and very transformational week for me. Um, And that's why I'm coming back with a solo episode because I just kind of wanted to have a a moment of heart to heart with you. So last week I was house sitting and dog sitting for my parents and I just had a lot of alone time to think and to be by myself and to like process my current life and where I'm at and kind of what I want for myself and just came to a a lot of realizations about my immediate future and, and kind of where I want to take my career and where I want to be in a year from now. So I did a lot of reflecting and I'm going to have some major, major announcements coming soon on my social platforms. I'm sure you guys will find out if you follow me here, but also if you follow my YouTube, my personal YouTube and my Instagram, there's a lot happening for me and I'm so grateful and I also don't want to slack on the show. I love doing the show and The response I've gotten is, wow, just absolutely incredible. So I just wanted to, one, apologize for missing last week's upload, but also thank you guys for allowing me to share such vulnerable stories and giving me a space to give other people space. I couldn't be more grateful for that, and I just, I'm really excited that you guys are liking the show so much, and that just means so much to me so thank you if you've been a loyal listener or viewer wow that one that's just like bizarre to me that people actually want to watch this and listen to what I have to say of all people I'm just some random you know 24 year old but also that you guys want to listen to these guests people you don't know people you haven't been following or haven't been listening to and and they're just to you random people but they're sharing such vulnerable and beautiful stories. So just thank you for allowing this show to happen and and to be a real thing. In this week's episode, I wanted to do a solo episode talking about ADHD. But before we get into that, of course, I want to share with you my drink of the day. on a vitamin water kick lately I don't know what it is I'm just so obsessed with the vitamin water acai blueberry pomegranate the triple x why do they call it that I don't know it's so good I'm obsessed with vitamin water I don't know what it is I usually don't like flavored waters but something about this just hits this is the antioxidant one they have a caffeinated one that I really like too but literally every time I see vitamin water my mouth just starts watering like I I need it It's not a choice for me. Vitamin water is not like, oh, maybe. It's like, no, if I see it, I'm buying it and I'm chugging it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this was gone in the next three minutes. And I'm not usually like that with drinks. I take my sweet time, if you know me. It could take me 15 minutes to take my first sip, okay? Regardless, I love me some vitamin water. I think it's delectable. I think it's the perfect amount of sweetness without being overwhelming. And I love acai blueberry pomegranate. 200% 200% antioxidant, vitamin C, 50% selenium, 40% vitamin A. Ooh, I don't even know what that means for me, but I know that this makes me feel good. Loki, for the first time in my life, I've been struggling with my drinking water. So if vitamin water is going to help me with that, period, 
Dom Boots, it's happening. Okay, and next we are on to book of the day. I've actually not read many books about ADHD specifically. I've read a lot of books about mental health, madness, schizophrenia, autism, general, you know, mental health struggles. Um, And this one kind of spoke to me. It's called Darkness Visible, a memoir of madness by William Styron. Look, I can't get enough of this book. I really, really enjoyed this. So though it's not directly about ADHD, it's about the novelist William Styron. He was the author of Sophie's Choice. He basically struggled with extreme insomnia and it kind of left him losing his mind in a pit of despair, which ultimately nearly left him on the brink of suicide. The reason I chose this book is because one of the huge symptoms of my ADHD is insomnia. So I just kind of, I related to a lot of what he was talking about in relation to not being able to sleep and how impactful that can be on your mental health. Um, I also really enjoyed this book because he makes a lot of references to Albert Camus, who is truly one of my favorite existential authors of all time. I mean, he's my favorite author, basically. It's one of the few fiction authors I can generally read. Uh, Kafka and, and Sartre has some fiction that I really enjoy as well. As soon as he brought up Camus, I was I was engulfed in this book. It just really talks about like how deep of a despair you can feel and how you can get so engulfed in those really dark feelings. I mean, he talks about like medication use in the 80s and kind of his experience with that and the stigma and just you can really see by reading this book how much has changed in the world of mental health and the study of mental health and mental illness. Um, So it was just a really interesting read for me. I wound up picking it up kind of shortly after Reed just died when I was collecting any number of books on mental illness, schizophrenia, psychosis, uh, suicide, and, and all these memoirs that I was able to find. This was one of them, and I just wound up kind of relating to it in a lot of ways, and then getting my ADHD diagnosis really kind of changed my perspective on how I read this book. So this was a really interesting one. It spoke to me. It was important to me at the time, and it helped me kind of understand the world of mental health and the language around it, dating back to the mid-1980s. So with all of that being said, I think we should jump right into today's episode all about ADHD and my experience with it. Now, before I kind of talk about this, one, I think there's a few things to know about ADHD that are really important. There is a huge kind of wave of this obsession and romanticization of ADHD and thinking it's like quirky and cute. And I'm really not a fan of that. I think this is the case of a lot of mental illnesses, especially in the age of TikTok. I'm not a fan. And that is because ADHD is not just like, oh my God, I can't focus. My mind is all over the place. It's like, I'm so different. It's not that. At least for me, it is not that. It is something that has debilitated my lived experience to the point where it brought me to a place of absolute defeat with myself. I could not stand myself. I could not stand the way that I thought. I could not stand the fact that every single task 
was debilitating for me. My case of ADHD has been classified by my psychiatrist and therapist as extremely, extremely severe. I am not a person who can function in living normal life with my ADHD without medication. And unfortunately, I had to do that for the first 22 years of my life. I'm 24. So the first 22 years of my life were very, very, very hard. It's like I'm actually trying not to cry talking about this because I do feel like ADHD is very misconstrued and is seen as like cute and oh I can't focus like I just move around and fidget so much and maybe that is somebody's experience. I'm not trying to say that that's not equally as valid but I do find that there's a huge wave of self-diagnosis with ADHD. You know there's overlapping symptoms which I will get into later because I was misdiagnosed for a very long time. Hence why I never got the treatment I needed to function. Since early childhood, I was showing signs of ADHD. I really struggled as a kid with what I now know to be autism and ADHD. At the time, I had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder in my early, like late childhood, early teenage years. And unfortunately, with that diagnosis came a lot of trouble for me because I didn't have bipolar disorder. I, I don't have bipolar disorder. They had mistaken my ADHD symptoms for a mania. And so I was put on medication for bipolar and for manic episodes, which caused my ADHD to spiral out of control, leaving me in one of the worst mental states I had ever been in in my life. And so when I finally got the correct diagnosis years later and was on the right medication, I never in my life have felt that mentally free and that mentally sane. I thought I was losing my mind for the majority of my life. I thought that genuinely there was like a part of my brain missing or like completely not functioning. And it was a really, really difficult experience to go through the majority of my life not being able to do basically anything that other kids could do having extreme anger issues and extremely high emotions and extremely intense mood swings, um, extreme sensory issues, having to take all of, you know, this number of things and continue to function as if I was just a normal kid. It made life so hard. And so I say all of this to really um, emphasize that if you think you are struggling with ADHD, I highly, highly, highly recommend to talk to a psychiatrist and to get a proper diagnosis because this wave of self-diagnosed like people on TikTok especially, there's a reason I don't have TikTok because it just frustrates me, but um, the, the wave of self-diagnoses, I think there, there's, it's a start, right? A self-diagnosis is like, oh, I've come to this realization that there is this thing that I'm dealing with. For me, that's a starting point. When I realized that ADHD could be the issue for me, I had to get help. And that's what I got my diagnosis. But this idea that we can just self-diagnose and then talk about these things online as if we are full-blown experts is quite literally scary and dangerous. Two people who are actually suffering. I wanted to kind of put that out there because ADHD has been a huge, huge hindrance on my life and my ability to function. And I know so many other people have that same experience who've been diagnosed. And then I see it being romanticized online and it's just, it, it's, it's frustrating. So the other day I was scrolling on threads 
and I saw a thread. Do, do they call it a thread? I almost called it a tweet. I saw a thread that very much frustrated me. It read, I've never used in my life services, psychologists or psychiatrists or any pills. I believe it's a scam for stuff like ADHD. I think maybe ADHD or similar neurodivergent stuff is just a thing like a character trait. Doctors and pills are needed for severe mental health diagnoses like schizophrenia. It's an actual condition when people cannot live without it. In other cases, if a human is not stupid, they can learn everything about it online. ADHD is exaggerated in the media. Naive people buy courses or book psychologists online, but in reality, if they put in a minimum effort, they can figure it out with our internet. 100 years ago or even 20 years ago, people didn't give a damn about ADHD. They worked because they had 90% fewer discussions than we have now. I don't think it's an excuse for anything. It's good for farm companies, but people, oh man, <laughs> that fired me up. Let's just start there. That fired me up for very obvious reasons. What the f man? You know, for me as someone who has struggled my way into existing with ADHD until I was medicated, I truly honestly lived a tortured life in my head. I quite literally cannot function without Adderall. There are coping mechanisms I can use that help in moments of desperate need. But my day-to-day, -day, like, I honestly believe I would wind up killing myself if I tried to go back to a life without my medication. And maybe some people think that that's crazy. But guess what? It is 2024. Can we stop demonizing medications for mental health? I'm sorry, if someone has high cholesterol and they need a medication to keep themselves alive, if they have diabetes and they need insulin to keep themselves alive, that's not stigmatized or shamed in the same way that it is if I have a brain malfunction and I need to take medication to survive. It is absolutely bizarre for somebody to say this. This girl goes on to basically say that she has self-diagnosed ADHD. She is so grateful for her ADHD and it helps her get things done and like, and that's great. If she's really struggling with ADHD and it's not debilitating, great. But to blanket statement that ADHD medication is a crutch and like, oh my God, can we stop the stigmatization of mental illness, please? To shame medication users in this way is so toxic and incredibly irresponsible for someone who's verified. It's unreal. I wanted to put that out there because I want to say that anybody who's struggling with a mental health issue, get your diagnosis. Get your diagnosis because I promise you, even if medication is a temporary solution to maybe more long-term permanent coping skills and, you know, rewiring the way that you think to help support your mental health, it will be a good thing. And there should be no stigma. If this message reaches one person, if you are watching this and you are struggling with any sort of mental health disorder and you've been considering medication and you have accessibility to get medication, please take advantage of it because it, it truly saved my life. Stop listening to what people online are saying about medication's a crutch, medication's this, you just need to like change the way you think. People haven't always been like this that's great, whatever, they can think what they want. But if you feel the need to take medication and you feel that it's gonna be conducive to your mental health and your overall functionality as a human being, do it. There's a lot of stigma, okay? 
for one thing. There's a lot of stigma. There's a lot of romanticizing ADHD. There's a lot of it being cute and quirky and oh my god, I'm like so, I'm all over the place. I'm so silly. And I just want us to be more realistic and like realize that this isn't fun. And my my experience with it has been so traumatizing and so difficult. Um, so that's really why I wanted to make today's episode because it's really important for us to talk about things like this and, and kind of have a better understanding of these lived experiences. So if you don't know, I'm going to read you the definition of ADHD. So ADHD, also known as Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, is a chronic condition that includes attention difficulty, hyperactivity, and impulsiveness. ADHD often begins in childhood and can persist into adulthood. A person with ADHD has differences in brain development and brain activity that affect attention, the ability to sit, and self-control. In attention, hyperactivity, impulsivity are all present. So some signs of ADHD include the following. And I'm not telling you this so you can diagnose yourself. This is a sounding board. This is a place to start. If you do experience these things, I totally recommend you talking to a doctor. For me, some of my issues are I struggle with making a lot of careless mistakes, listening closely, maintaining eye contact, organizing, following instructions, reading instructions and processing them. I have a huge issue with executive functioning, organizing my life, getting things done in an order that makes sense. I lose so much stuff. I'm easily distracted by unrelated thoughts. I go on tangents. I have extreme restlessness, difficulty sitting for long periods, difficulty sleeping. I'm constantly moving. Right now, I'm literally pulling out the like hairs on my socks like I'm I have to be fidgeting with something at all times I'm unable to really be quiet and I talk excessively I have a compulsion to say everything that comes into my mind even if it's not appropriate and that one's been really difficult for me I cut people off I interrupt people because my brain is going so fast I get extremely extremely overstimulated in any situation. It's very hard for me to listen. It's very hard for me to even read the room. Now, since I have like overlaps with autism, that's difficult. Those are my main kind of symptoms. I was diagnosed at 22 in college. I reached a point in my life where I was feeling insane. My brain was going so fast. My sleep patterns were so bad. I was sleeping maybe 45 minutes a night. Um, the amount of tasks I was taking on was unreal. I was burning myself out. I was engaging in unhealthy habits. I was drinking so much caffeine, which was also contributing to that stimulation of my brain. It was to the point where I was like unable to hold a normal conversation with somebody. And I, I was struggling to even communicate with like my best friends and my parents. And um, my need to have control over everything was so intense and so unbearable that any situation that didn't go to plan, I would have a childlike tantrum, like a meltdown. And so I brought it up with my therapist and, and she got me scheduled with a psychiatrist where they went through the DSM-5 criteria. I did the test. It was so obvious within like the first two questions. I mean, before we even got started just talking to my psychiatrist, she was like, it is blatantly obvious like I, I was textbook ADHD and constantly she's like how did you make it this far how did you make it this far how have you been functioning 
I felt out of body 24-7. I felt like when I looked in the mirror, I didn't even recognize myself. My inner dialogue was never connected to what was going on around me. I always felt like I was just a brain. I could not connect to my physical self. My brain moved way too fast for anything or anyone around me. And it was just so out of control. So finally got my diagnosis, got my prescription. Adderall was like instantly, it instantly worked. So for me, the day that I took it, the first day that I, I took it, I can't even describe to you what that was like because I felt sane. I felt like I could think about one thought, maybe even just two thoughts was less than the thousand that were racing through my head every moment. From that point forward, like this was my, you know, last year of college. This was right actually before Regis had died, you know, adding the grief on top of the ADHD was it's like a whole other thing. When I started taking medication, I was able to look at my patterns way cl more clear and look at the way what had led up to me needing that diagnosis and just I could see finally how absolutely out of my mind I was. In the moment, I didn't realize how bad my mental behavior was and my habits and my train of thought and just how bad that neurodivergency was until I took medication. When I took medication, it was like, oh my God, how was I living like that? How did I do that for the past 22 years? It was a really hard thing. It was hard for me to take the medication because it brought to light the person that I was before medication. And that was a hard thing to face. It was a lot of forgiving myself for the way that I had been to myself for so long. It was dark. That diagnosis, it, it changed my life. My parents were relieved. My family was relieved. My friends saw changes in me and it, it was it was great to get that diagnosis. Basically, they, they had undiagnosed me essentially with bipolar, diagnosed me properly with ADHD and PTSD. And that was such a relieving feeling because for the first time in my life, I felt free from my mind. I felt like finally there's an answer for my madness. And that had lifted a massive weight off of me. I, I was just so elated in that moment to finally have answers. After all these years of struggling with my mental health, you know, doing outpatient programs, getting diagnoses, trying all these medications, therapist after therapist, struggling from childhood, never, never, never knowing why I could not fit in with other kids, why I could not connect my mental and physical self as one unified thing, why I could not calm down, why I could not sleep or eat or do anything without fidgeting and feeling out of control to the point where I needed to control circumstances around me constantly. Finally, getting that answer, it was a feeling I cannot describe. It, it was so amazing. Specific challenges I faced due to my ADHD. I mean, even as a child growing up, I was very, very difficult and very, well, I, I was viewed as very difficult, very problematic, very uh, middle child syndrome. But really what that was, was feeling out of control and disconnected from my own mind and body uh, because of my extreme ADHD and 
constantly feeling misunderstood, constantly feeling disconnected from people, from experiences, from my schoolwork, from my passions and hobbies, um, and feeling like there was literally nowhere in my life. I don't want to cry, but like, wow, it was hard. Just feeling like there was nowhere in my life where I genuinely fit in where I was genuinely able to like connect with myself and those around me and live in the moment and living in the moment with the level of ADHD that I have is so hard it's so hard it was a chore growing up and especially to not have answers and you know have doctors be like oh she's fine she's just a hormonal teenage girl or just a you know she's just a growing kid I don't even want to get into the gendered conversation around neurodivergency because unfortunately like females are way less likely to get diagnosed and their behavior is just seen as like oh that's just how girls are and the process of masking ADHD and autism in girls is so incredibly sad and and problematic in society that you know young boys are taken way more seriously and my parents tried to get me help as as a kid tried to get me diagnosed they knew something was not working in my brain like my older sister for example like we had very different childhood experiences because I'm extremely neurodivergent and my parents knew that but help was not as accessible back in the early 2000s my struggles were not taken seriously by my teachers and you know when I was doing my tests to get into into kindergarten and stuff I have a very high IQ and that's always been the case I've always been extremely smart I was a year ahead academically I started kindergarten when I was four and I was with five and six year olds I so it, it had seemed to teachers and you know my adult caretakers and peers at the time that I was just super intelligent and how could anything be wrong when you have a kid who's just so smart that was difficult because that was autism and that was ADHD and it was missed for a very long time so I I had to struggle a lot throughout my childhood just to function and, and keep up with the neurotypical kids. My ADHD has impacted my relationships a lot, especially I think with my family, mostly growing up because I was not like my siblings and I had a shorter temper. I, I had a, this compulsion to say everything that I felt, which got me into a lot of trouble at times. Um, I had a compulsion to act out and, and to be hyper emotional. And my parents they did the best that they could with their circumstances and and what they knew because I didn't have any answers for why I was this way. You know, my parents took it as me just being a problematic child. And I can't blame them for that because when professionals tell you your kid is fine, you have every reason to believe your kid is fine. So it made my childhood hard. It made my relationship with my parents hard. It made romantic relationships hard too. And after my ex and I had, had broken up, I told my mom, I need to date somebody who has ADHD because I cannot date a neurotypical person. It will not work. And my boyfriend now has ADHD probably at the same level as I do. And I have never experienced peace in a relationship before the way that I do with him because we're, vo- we're both so neurotic and so all over the place but we can ground 
within that with each other. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody. I'd be so curious to see if any of you who have ADHD also have a similar experience having a neurodivergent partner, having somebody who fundamentally understands on a very personal level the way that my brain works because their brain works the same way has been the greatest thing and I truly will never go back to dating neurotypical people and there's nothing against neurotypical people I just like can't my last relationship my partner was extremely neurotypical things he struggled with were more like anxiety depression where for me it's like I'm on the spectrum like in in that connection was so difficult because I didn't understand his depression and anxiety he didn't understand my neurodivergency and so there was a lot of empathy that both of us just we couldn't have for each other we struggled so much with that he had his mental health struggles too but for me it was so hard for me to relate because I don't struggle with depression and anxiety at all I struggle with literally like executive functioning, overworking, overindulging, a hyper attachment to everything. So yeah, relationships have been really complicated for me. Um, Regis had ADHD actually. And I think that is part of why him and I were able to get along so well, because we function at the same pace. We have a similar drive in life. And then dating somebody after that who didn't have ADHD, you know, there's a very different drive, a very different approach to everyday things not to say one is better than the other whatsoever not what I'm saying it's just different it's a different way of functioning that I didn't feel I could connect but with Jake that connection is so effortless so effortless first time I met him I mean we were able to just indulge in conversation and it was very deep and very real and very fast moving and very engaging and so that for us has just been something so natural we both are so passionate we are both so into the things we talk about we both have so many hyper fixations that we can share with each other and it's it's great I want to talk about my experiences like leveraging my ADHD for good and how that can also be very jarring for other people around me so like my uh, work ethic, for example, and my determination to live life to the very fullest, do any number of things, always be going, going, going. I never bed raw. I never really sitting around. I am always doing something. And that's why I feel like I kind of thrive as an entrepreneur more than somebody who works maybe in an office or for a company. Like I need that flexibility that freedom to do kind of whatever I want to and need to and that has been an area where I've been able to thrive and leverage my mental illness <laughs> um with that has come a lot of slack from people saying I'm doing too much I'm over engaging I have too much on my plate are you sure you're okay I'm worried about you I hear that a lot from people and it could be so frustrating because I know myself and I, I, I totally appreciate the concern from people who care about me. At the same time, I know myself and I've been in a place where I have worked myself to the bone, you know, working 60 hours a week, like dawn to dusk, maybe just constantly throwing myself into something. And I've been in a place where that has hurt and burnt me out and has been miserable. But I have healed. I'm on my healing journey. I'm on Adderall. 
<laughs> that has helped so much with being able to unwind and calm down when I need to. But I like to work. I like to indulge. I like to be busy. I like to have hobbies and learn new things. There also is a downfall to that because my um, obsession with learning has brought me a lot of niche hobbies that can be pretty expensive. So like I'm really into skincare. For me, I can't just be into skincare. I have to go to aesthetic school. I have to learn everything about it. I have to read every book. I have to watch every video. I get so obsessed, but then I get bored. When I've learned it all, I'm like, okay, what's next? Now I want to be a philosopher. So I apply to master's programs. I take all these classes. I read every book. I literally purchase hundreds of books, build this library, watch every YouTube video. And then I'm like, okay, I love that. But now what? Oh, now I want to start a skincare brand. So I am a co-founder of a skincare brand and I'm doing this thing and I'm entrepreneur, blah, blah, blah. Bored. Immediately bored. Then I want to be a therapist. So I learn everything about mental health. Learn, like literally read the DSM-5. Read every book. Talk to all these people. Start looking at uh, getting a bachelor's degree in psychology. Then I get bored. Now I'm a video editor for a living. Freelancer videographer doing all this stuff and it's been a really good ride for me because I'm able to like switch gears whenever I need to but I anticipate a day where I get bored so that's a struggle for me the drive is so high when it's there and it's rich and it's fueled by passion but once I lose it or once I find interest in something else I'm done I do want to talk about the mental health impacts of ADHD and I've touched on this throughout the episode so far of just like you know how it's been a huge struggle this is another thing side note I reach a point in the episode recordings where I'm like okay I'm over this <laughs> just want to back it up and be done so high levels of stress and anxiety and even depression can kind of coincide with untreated ADHD it can bring up a lot of that it can bring up a lot of triggers and PTSD and kind of even like general anxiety separation anxiety social anxiety you, you can almost get like paranoia and like stress induced anxiety with how racing your thoughts are, how much you're overthinking, hyper fixating. Depression can happen a lot in people who struggle with ADHD. I've never struggled with depression with my ADHD personally. You can also struggle with relationships with people and just maintaining healthy relationships. I found myself in a lot of toxic relationship patterns and I do kind of attribute that to ADHD in many ways. For me, having the combination of PTSD and ADHD has been difficult because it contributes to my struggle with sleep and with paranoia a lot. I, I go through kind of bouts of paranoia and I know things that trigger it. For example, watching scary movies watching true crime, anything like that. So now that we've kind of covered a lot of my experience with ADHD and the path it's kind of put me on in life and, and my struggles and a lot of disconnection, a lot of dissociation, a lot of derealization with myself. I want to talk to you about the importance of having a good support system. Something I recommend with your support system is ensuring that at least one person in your support system has ADHD so that you have somebody you can really, truly fundamentally relate to. Um, and for me, that's my boyfriend. And I mean, a lot of my friends have some sort of neurodivergency or ADHD, particularly. Jake allows me the room to be neurotic. 
and we can do it together which is kind of fun and it, it allows me to feel connected to who I am and not feel crazy like when I'm talking to non-ADHD people I feel crazy sometimes I feel overbearing over the top dramatic intense and I don't like nobody likes feeling that way my mom is the greatest listener of all time that woman has sat through my two to three hour tangents that jump from topic to topic to topic that woman she's she sits there and she's like yeah yeah so engaged but I also know that as the person who's kind of gets trapped in that it's gotta suck man it's gotta suck so I tell her all the time like if I'm getting to a point where it's like shut up Madison (laughs) you're going too far I can't keep track you got to tell me and that's okay. And don't get frustrated with the people who are telling you and holding you accountable. So having just having a system in place where you have trusted people who can tell you, hey, I'm not able to follow this conversation. I'm also on a time limit. So it's been two hours of you talking about 100 different things. That's important. That's important. Um, something else that has worked for me is having things I, c- I can fidget with and having things that um, help me with my workflow. So yes, I can sit down and edit a video, but I need breaks, 15 minute breaks that I can engage in any other thing. These are my 15 minutes. After that, I have to get back to work. It's not a negotiable thing. So just allowing myself breaks, allowing myself to get up and walk around, having workspaces that are comfortable for me, Um, going to work in public. If you work from home, maybe leaving the home office may be helpful for you. I think my main advice for anyone who may be dealing with ADHD or maybe anyone who thinks that they're dealing with ADHD is to talk to a professional. I also want to address the fact that mental health care and health care, especially in America, is not accessible, period. I understand that not everyone can get a diagnosis. I understand that not everyone can get medication. I understand that especially people who are, you know, teenagers or or kids or just younger may not be able to have this conversation with their parents and may not be able to get into therapy because of those sorts of barriers. If that's the case for you, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. I know I kind of like bagged on self-diagnoses a lot and I think that there's valid points to that but there's also scenarios where a self-diagnosis can be a starting point for you to build in coping mechanisms if you think you have ADHD a if you can get diagnosed b if you can't we are very lucky to have the internet I'm going to put well-researched resources down below for you to check out to find coping mechanisms, and to understand your functioning. I think the biggest thing with ADHD is understanding your specific needs. What works? What doesn't? What hurts? What helps? Talking to people about this. Whether it's a friend, a parent, a trusted teacher, or, you know, guardian of sorts. Talking about it is everything. For me, a diagnosis changed my life. For you, just coming to this understanding that you may have some sort of neurodivergence, is that might be enough. And it may lead you on a path of kind of research and self-discovery and reading books and reading studies. And that may lead you to a place of 
coping mechanisms that help you understand the way that your brain works. And that is so, so, so valid. My issue with the self-diagnosis really is the idea of romanticizing it, making it seem like a cute, quirky, oh, I can't focus thing. ADHD is so much more than that. ADHD can be super debilitating. It can also be, you know, just not as severe. For me, it's been debilitating. And so that's why I struggle with the wave of self-diagnoses that tend to come with the wave of romanticization on TikTok, especially. There are so many ways to kind of help ADHD, whether it's journaling, exercising. Exercising for me has been life-changing too. Yoga, connecting with your body in physical ways. Not meditation. Meditation does not work for me. Um, Cooking, like finding hobbies that your brain can engage with. That's been important to me too. And those are all things that you can do without a diagnosis or medication. So that's kind of my advice for someone who may not be able to get diagnosed. Find things that make your life more livable and more comfortable and stick to them. Whether it's exercise, reading, journaling, cooking, going for a walk. Having my cat has been life-changing too. He helps to calm me a lot and helps me to focus a lot. So things like that can be huge. And overall, just know that if you're struggling with ADHD or any sort of mental illness, you are not alone. It is a journey. It is a difficult journey. But there is never a day where I don't feel proud of myself for getting through and for finding coping mechanisms and for applying my skills. And I think we need to give ourselves a lot more praise for accomplishing day-to-day tasks. For me, it is so hard to get in the shower, okay? I can't, everything about the shower kind of grosses me out. It gives me extreme sensory issues. But when I do it, I feel good and I'm proud of myself. And I give myself that praise. And I look at myself in the mirror and I say words of affirmation. And I think those things are way more important than we make them out to be. So give yourself credit. You deserve it. So this concludes another episode of And Also. I hope this helped you feel seen or helped you just to have a conversation about your own struggles in your day-to-day life. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you're watching it on YouTube, make sure you give it a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. It'd be awesome to hit 100 subscribers. So definitely send this to a friend as well and leave a comment letting me know your experience with ADHD or any sort of neurodivergence. If you're streaming this on Apple or Spotify, definitely rate the show five stars if you enjoyed it and add it to your playlist. Send it to a friend. Of course, I know everyone knows somebody with ADHD in their life that could maybe benefit from hearing these things. Thank you guys again so much for the support and for just being amazing to everyone I've had on the show so far. We have some awesome guests coming up in this new year, and I'm so excited for you guys to see what is in store. I love you all so much. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.